Have you ever wondered just how much that house payment would actually be? Hi, Flames fans. This is Jason Porter with Legacy Realty with your Sea of Red real estate quick tip. Next time you're on Zillow or Realtor looking at a specific house, be sure to click on the mortgage calculator associated with that house. It actually allows you to adjust the mortgage rate as well as come up with a possible down payment that would be comfortable for you. It's also helpful in estimating taxes and insurance because it's specifically tied into the property address. Now, your final mortgage payment, of course, will be determined by your lender, but those calculators are a great start. Please let me know how I can help. Call or text me today, Jason Porter, at 434-258-8827. Being able to uh, have them, that was really cool. You know, they want to come support us in person more or less than watching us on TV. So I I just appreciate them for coming out here and... uh, uh, letting us go out there and glorify God, you know? I've done this long enough. Every year's different. There's no team that has the same DNA, same leadership, same hunger, desire, passion. Yeah, it was great 2020. I got the ring. I got the picture. I got it all. I got it. I will have it framed. Top 20 in the nation. That's awesome. But you know what? It's time to run to the roar of 2021. It's here. It's a different week, Malik. It's a different week, Malik. For we can, For we can. We do all things through Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. He strengthens us, he strengthens us each and every day. Each and every day. And may God, may God. Christ. We are back with another episode of the A Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan. I am joined by my good friend, founder, creator, all things A Sea of Red, John Manson. John, how you doing? Doing good this week, Chad. How are you? Doing good, man. A lot of... <laughs> It is a busy week for a Flames fan. We have basketball to watch, football game this weekend. We've got field hockey in the Final Four. Um, lots going on with the coaching carousel that's just getting fired up. Plenty of open jobs and freeze being mentioned for them. So got a lot to talk about. I want to start with men's basketball. Um, what is your reaction to the game we saw last night with LSU? Um, well, yeah, what is your initial reaction? I saw your three three takeaways, but um, the article you wrote. Um, but what is your just an overall reaction to that game? Well, I mean, you know, you can look at it a couple different ways. It's, it's kind of, you know, it was difficult with that being Liberty's first game against real competition. No offense to region, but, um, you know, they had those two scrimmages against Virginia Tech and UNC Greensboro, but those, those aren't real games, you know, it. If Liberty could have gotten, you know, maybe these two games are playing this weekend against solid mid-major opponents and then gotten to play LSU, I think they could have held on and won that game. But, um, you know, that's not the way the schedule fell. You know, the biggest question mark for Liberty going into the season, uh, I think we all thought was point guard play. Who was going to step up and be the point guard for the team after losing Chris Parker last year? And, um, you know, then obviously Georgia Pacheco Ortiz the four years prior to that. And, you know, this summer, a lot of us were hopeful that was going to be Drake Dobbs. You know, the freshman played last year as a backup to, to Parker and and he showed some flashes. But, um, you know, we just it, it's from everybody we talked to this offseason and this summer, as we got closer and closer to the season, it, we kept hearing that Drake just wasn't that guy. He wasn't taking that step up that we were all hoping for and expecting for him to take for whatever reason, you know, he'd gone through a sophomore season slump, I guess. I don't, I don't know. And, 
and that kind of roared its ugly head against LSU on, on Monday night. Um, you know, that's a tough team to go up against when you, you're not sure as to who's your primary ball handler. They got a lot of length, a lot of athletics, athleticism, and, uh, you know, they, they pressure. You know, Will Wade's always done that, going back to his VCU days and, and his time as an assistant at VCU under Shaka Smart, is they always like to pressure. And, and uh, that led to 21 turnovers, and that's just too much for a team like Liberty to overcome when they're a 10-point underdog. Um, but we learned a lot about the team. We, you know, we're trying to figure out who's the point guard, who's going to be the primary ball handler. But uh, we also learned that Brody Peebles and Joseph Vinzant are exactly what they've been billed to be. They, they're living up to that early billing. Uh, I was a little nervous with uh, Peebles, especially there in the first half. It looked like he was a little timid, a little shy, uh, maybe intimidated, which I'm sure if you ask him, he's not going to. Uh, agree to that but uh, just by going up against uh, an SEC opponent his first uh, time playing a D1 opponent um, but he finally he was wide open for that corner three there you know early to mid part of the first of the second half and he drained it and then from then on he you could tell the the light uh, light switch flipped for him and you know he was shooting with no hesitation he was attacking the basket he was coming to the ball, calling for it, didn't batten down from, from that, uh, that competition that he faced. You saw one of the LSU guys uh, get up in his face and say something to him, which is kind of funny. I mean, this is, a, uh, you know, relatively, when you're talking about a SEC opponent, SEC team that he's going up against, he was a relatively under-recruited guy, you know, playing his second ever collegiate game, and you got an LSU guy talking smack to him. That just shows you that, you know, obviously this guy can play. And, um, you know, Ben Zant, um, you know, you, you've kind of been ranting and raving about him all, you know, the last year about how you thought he'd come in and make an immediate impact. And uh, he's been able to do that. I, I mean, I think he has both of these guys have a chance to start before uh, we get too much further into the season when they get a little bit more experience under their belt. But uh, Ben Zant was recorded with two steals on consecutive plays. Um, he, he's a scrappy guy. He's going to do all the little things right. And, you know, if he can – he's basically been billed as a uh, Elijah Cuffey type player, a 3 and D type guy that, um, you know, he, he probably needs to improve on his three-point shooting where Cuffey was a knockdown guy and made over 40% of his shots. But, um, uh, you know, Vinzant and Peebles, I, I'm excited about their development and their potential. And then, obviously, you know, we could talk about Darius McGee every week and uh, how good he is. and. And, you know, scoring 22 points since LSU is huge. But um, all in all, I was pleased with the team and with their performance. You know, the last five minutes were obviously uh, disappointing when, when, when you're leading by, you know, five to seven points. and Then you just get run out of the gym those last few minutes. But, you know, we got a young team and some unproven pieces, but we learned a lot about the team. That was a great test for the team. And I'm really looking forward to the two games this weekend against uh, Iona and Manhattan, uh, two teams, mid-majors that, um, you know, like to think we'd win, but, but we'll have to see uh, how, how things go this weekend down in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, John, you basically uh, took all my talking points there. I, I thought that Vinzant had incredible um, hands and deflections. I thought Brody was basically just got his confidence going, like you said. 
Um, I did want to comment on Drake. I still think that Drake can be that starting point guard and play those minutes. Um, the one thing that I think made him an incredible freshman um, that maybe he stood out a little bit, especially towards the end of the season, was his ability to his confidence, the way he just carried himself. He was not scared. Uh, he he pretty much just he he broke through traps and double teams because he was just super aggressive and and knew where he wanted to be on the court. Last night it looked like he was hesitant, like he he kind of just set himself up for those traps and and or just he just wasn't as confident. And and I think that'll come. I think that uh, you know I don't know if there's a real thing called a sophomore slump, but maybe he's been exposed to the you know, college basketball world in terms of like he, now he knows what's expected of him last year. He was kind of playing more free being a freshman. You can make mistakes. Now we're expecting you to be our starting point guard. And that's a lot for somebody to take in. Um, you know, so I think he'll work those out. I think that, uh, he has his best basketball ahead of him by far. Um, he did not play well last night. I think I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, about being hesitant last year against Oklahoma State towards the I mean we're talking NCAA tournament game he has his eyes wide open and his heart is full however that saying goes and he is just driving the lane in the last five minutes I mean he's the only one that took the bull by the horns per se and and got into the paint you know fast forward to this year and what last night what we watched was he he is so intimidated by that pressure last night there wasn't even a guy like three feet in front of him, four feet in front of him, maybe even six feet. And uh, he had to call a timeout in the backcourt. Uh, there was no trap on. There was nobody even really applying pressure. He just was kind of hesitant and didn't want to go into that trouble. Whereas last year he was just going full on and it worked out for him. So definitely didn't have his best game last night. I still think that he can be our starting point guard. Um, but his best asset again last year was his confidence. And I think he, that's shaking a little bit right now. And, uh, McKay has, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get that worked out. And, and Drake is a talented guy. He still with his ball handling still looked like the part he still looked like, you know, he probably could get a little bit quicker, uh, three point shot release. It's still really slow. And, um, you know, to be a point guard in Liberty's offense, you have to be able to knock down open threes. And he was not able to even get his three-point shot off last night. He had three or four opportunities. Um, so I, th- I look for Drake to to really improve. Um, all right, football. John, we've got top 25, the highest-ranked team to ever come to Williams Stadium. Um, the best team, in my opinion, to ever come to Williams Stadium. Uh, we got Thanksgiving break. We're here late in the season. Liberty has a chance to make a run here to make for the top 25. If we went out, uh, I believe we finished the season in the top 25, especially if we win our bowl game. So I just want to get your thoughts on Billy Napier, the job he's done there in, in Louisiana. And uh, wh- what are some keys to the game? Who do we need to be watching for? Who are some of their NFL-type talent guys um, that we need to keep an eye out on Saturday? Yeah, um, like you said, I, I do think this is – Probably the best team that's ever played at, at uh, Liberty at Williams Stadium. Uh, only the second ranked team to, to come into Lynchburg uh, behind Syracuse, who's number 22. Uh, back in 2019, Hugh Freeze's first game. And uh, Louisiana is number 21 in the uh, coaches' poll and 22 in the AP. And, 
and we'll see where they're, they, if they get ranked in, in the uh, CFP rankings, hopefully they will. Um, but yeah, I mean, they got some of the same names and faces that we saw in 2019, that second game where we went down there and Coach Freeze was up in the press box in a dental chair coaching that game. But uh, Levi Lewis is our quarterback. He's the first guy that jumps off the page and a dual threat guy. I've watched a lot of Louisiana games this year and uh, he, he's similar. He's like a Malik Willis light uh, dual threat guy. He's just as willing to make plays with his feet as he is with his arm, but don't discount his arm, you know, like the ODU defensive back did back at the beginning of the season. Right. But uh, you know, he, he can make the deep pass. He can, you know, I watched a game against Troy uh, this weekend and he hit a receiver in stride for about a 50 to 60 yard touchdown pass. Um, you know, just a flick of the wrist, no problem. He's a little bit smaller than Malik, but he has the ability to affect the game with both his arm and his uh, legs. So he's the first guy that jumps off the, the page. They've also got a solid defense uh, led by their defensive line, defensive front, um, you know, that will challenge and test this Liberty offensive line, which we know they've had some struggles this year. Uh, so that'll be a, a good test. You know, and Louisiana loves to run the ball. They're, they do a lot of motions with their offense. And uh, it's similar to a triple option type type offense that they run, like we'll see next week against Army. Uh, but they still have the ability and the threat to pass. Um, so, But they're a run-first team. So it, 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 it's a great test for Liberty. I, I'm looking forward to it. Billy Napier is uh, anywhere you see Hugh Freeze's name mentioned as a potential co- coaching replacement. Uh, you're going to see Billy Napier's name right next to it um, and, and Jamie Chadwell at Coastal as well. But Napier's done a great job. He's in his fourth year there. They they won uh, 11 games last year. I believe they were 10-1 and one or 11-1 and one last year. And then uh season before, they made the bowl game. They've, they've been Sunbelt West Division champs now four years straight, already clinching that this year. Every one of his four seasons, they've done that. They lost their first two. Sunbelt Conference Championship games against App State. Last year's game uh, against Coastal got canceled due to COVID issues with, with Coastal. Um, and then the, they're, they'll be in it again this year and probably playing App again, uh, looking for a conference championship. Um, so they're one of the best G5 teams in the country and one of the best G5 programs and uh, one of the top teams in the Sunbelt. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the challenge. You know, Levi Lewis is the main name to watch out for. They're, they're dual threat uh, quarterback. All right, coaching carousel. This is not my favorite topic anymore. It used to be because I, I used to to love the idea of getting a new coach or, or seeing our coach move on. I really didn't know how to handle the success of a coach at the G5 level. I mean, it's kind of evident that when you win at the G5 level that you move on to the P5 level, and, and that's just the, the natural progression. So, um, however, Liberty is unique in the in terms of the mission, the quality of life for a coach, um, the fan base, the way we treat our coach, it, it all feels a little bit different than what a, a P5 would offer. But Freeze has said in the past, and and I believe, and we talk about this every week, that <clears throat> he has a good quality of life at Liberty. He loves, his family loves it here. And uh, he wouldn't leave just for any job. It would have to be one of those special jobs. So uh, with that in mind, John, I'm going to ask you about several jobs that are open already and i just want a yes or a no and then maybe a quick hit about why or why not um these are jobs that are open are these would these qualify or as a special job for freeze and do you think there's any chance that he goes to that job if 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 offered akron 
No. FIU. No. UMass. No. TCU. Uh, they they filled their job. They okay. Uh, or did they? No, Texas Tech did. TCU hasn't filled their job. Um, I would say no. I mean, I think TCU is a place that um, he could. Uh, I was getting TCU and Texas Tech confused. They both came open, but TCU is still open. Um, I mean, that's a place he could go to. I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, I don't see them competing for national championships, but in a watered-down Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, possibly. But I, I would lean towards no. Washington State. No. All right, I save these. I save these for last. Southern California. Um, my gut says no. He's not a West Coast guy. All right. Uh, the the final. Oh, Washington. No. All right. The final two left. Um, if he's contacted for LSU, does he go? Um. Yeah, I think if he's offered that job, he goes to LSU. Virginia Tech. That's a tough one. I'd lean towards no. Okay, so my thought is on those two, um, I I would imagine that he is n- not going to get offered LSU, and that has nothing to do with his ability. I think that has everything to do with, um, you know, the commissioner of the SEC, whether or not he can or can't stop uh, hiring. I, I'm not sure um, what what the deal is there. I just know that I have heard that. Um, Sankey really is trying hard to keep Freeze out of the SEC. I don't know if that's true. I don't know how what his power is there. That's just kind of what everybody's saying, that he's he's the one putting the stop on these schools even uh, pursuing Freeze. So I would say no to LSU. Virginia Tech, oh, boy, uh, as much as I hate to say this, I would say if they offered him the job, I think he would take it. And if I was Hugh Freeze, I would take it. I mean, I love Liberty. But the chance to go to a P5 and compete for a national championship uh, in a P5 conference that is easily winnable. Um, the ACC is down right now. The power shifts over there all the time. You don't have your two or three top staples. It's constantly shifting. I mean, Clemson has kind of fallen off. Florida State has definitely fallen off. Those are the two that have had the big runs in the ACC prior to Tech. Um you know, I think you can win there. I think that you can recruit there. His family likes it here in Virginia in this part of town. He's only be an hour and a half away from Lynchburg. Um, you know, he's losing recruits to Virginia Tech on occasion at Liberty. I think he could get those guys. And I think he's built some tie-ins here in, in Virginia. Likes that the fact that he can recruit up north a little bit and in the south. I mean, he's pulled guys from um, Ohio and and up in that area. Also, he's getting kids from Florida. So I think it's kind of a good fit. Um, he can win there. They'll pay him well. Uh, you know, P5, he's right in the limelight and uh, has the opportunity, like I said, to win a national championship. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, nobody's a bigger fan of Liberty and thinks it's a great job more than I am. But uh, I, I'm trying to be realistic about the opportunity that he would have presented to himself if a P5 job like Virginia Tech came open and offered him the job. All right. These okay. are before you move on. I got a cu- I got a couple questions for you oh, in the same same line. Um, speaking of the Virginia Tech job, um, you said that you know if he's offered, where will uh, you know he should take it? Um, where do you think he stacks up as far as targets on Virginia Tech's 
a list? I mean, he is he at the top of the list? Is he number three? Who are some of the other uh, I mean, names at the top of the list, in, in your opinion? If I was Whit Babcock, he would be at the top of the list. Here's why. Because Whit Babcock came from Cincinnati where he hired Tommy Tuberville. That was a, that was a terrible hire. Then he comes to Virginia Tech and hires Justin Fuente. Didn't pan out. Couldn't recruit. Um, you know, did not work out at Virginia Tech. So he's had two straight bad football hires. Yes, he had Mike Young for the basketball program, but we know being an AD in a Power Five conference is all about your football hires, and he is 0 for 2 in his last two attempts. That's why I, if I were if I were in that position and my my entire career was riding on my ability to hire a winner, a proven winner at the P5 level, somebody looking for a chance, um, I would go with Hugh Freeze. I mean, you know Freeze goes there and wins nine, ten games his first three, four years. I mean, it's just it's just what he does. I mean, he he did it at Liberty, Arkansas State, and Lambeth, everywhere, Ole Miss. He he just does that. And I think that his resume speaks for itself. I think he kind of rehabbed his image a lot here at Liberty. Um, you know, you, that was evident when we were in Mississippi last week and and Ole Miss fans greeted him the way they did. I mean, there was not I didn't hear one negative word said about Hugh Freeze while I was down there. Yeah, you had a few talking head Twitter folks hiding behind a keyboard. But when you actually meet people and shake their hand and talk to them and mention Hugh Freeze, we love him. We miss him. Um, glad he's at Liberty. He seems to be doing well. Those are the kind of things I heard. And I talked to over 20, 30 people from Mississippi about Hugh Freeze. So what I'm saying is if I was Whit Babcock, I would hire Hugh Freeze in a heartbeat. Now, uh, my my opinion of where their list stands. I think there's two tiers. I think the top tier is, I think they're going after Napier at Louisiana. I think they're going to offer Shane Beamer, uh, at least give him a phone call, uh, a courtesy call. And I don't think Shane will, will do that just because he's only been at South Carolina one year. And I'm not sure he's ready to jump in the shadows of his, of his father. And then uh, thirdly, I think Jamie Chadwell is up there on the top, their top tier. I think that um, he kind of fits the area, can recruit down there. Um, he's a proven winner. Um, I think that's who they're looking at. Now, the second, third, I think Freeze is included in that second, third with Gus Malzahn. Um, and then um, I believe his name is Joe Brady. He's the offensive coordinator at, at Carolina. Um so that's where I think it stands just from everything I'm seeing. But if I were wit, I would get, definitely try to get freeze over there um, and, and try to save myself and, and get myself a sure thing, a sure proven winner higher at the P five level. So um, that's kind of where, what's kind of where I think it stands. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of with you with most of what you said there. Um, what, what about you mentioned the LSU job and you don't think that Freeze would get offered? I agree with you there. I don't think that he's very high on their list. Um, but a guy that I think is high on their list and could be offered is Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss. What if Lane Kiffin goes to LSU and Ole Miss comes calling or would they come calling Freeze? Zero chance. Zero chance. I mean, it, it was one of those things where they had – um, several bridges burned between administration and coach freeze where they kind of coming down to the last days, they kind of each were saying, you know, Hey, um, you know, no, no chance. Uh, unless there's been a complete turnover from top to bottom there, which I know there has not. Um, I know they have a new athletic director. Their athletic director at the time is at Texas A&M, um, now. So, uh, I, 
but no, they're not coming calling. And why I don't think LSU is coming calling is because I think, uh, again, I think it's Sankey, SEC. And uh, even if they did, I'm not sure Freeze is ready for that type of uh, scrutiny. I mean, the SEC, it means more is their slogan. And, and, you know, I'm not sure I would throw my family into that after everything he's been through and, and what he has to deal with already. Um, I would not go into the throes of the SEC at LSU. I mean, Ed Orgeron won a national championship three years ago and has one picture taken with one girlfriend and he's out, you know, it's like, wow, this is, uh, you know, I would not put myself in that situation if I were freeze at Virginia tech, they're going to give him five years. The fan base is, you know, a good loyal fan base who, who kind of, you know, they get upset about, uh, and, but even with Fuente, I mean, they were kind of like, you know, passive about wanting him gone. So, um, I, I think it's a kind of a perfect fit on both ends there at tech, but no, definitely not old Miss, definitely not LSU. Okay. I was just, I was just getting your ideas and thoughts on, on those there. Yeah. Um, all right. So lastly here, we've talked about the football game. We've talked about, um, the, the coaching carousel. We've talked about men's basketball. Um, just, quickly preview the field hockey tournament when do we play who do we play what were we ranked coming to this tournament um those kind of things yeah i mean it's an amazing run that uh the field hockey team has, has been on um you know they're number nine in the country right now ranked uh, entering this week and uh they won the last two matches um against st joe's and rutgers number one in the country at rutgers they beat them in the elite eight to get to the final four so it's already the best team achievement in school history i don't think anybody can argue that i, I thought them winning one game beating st joe's was probably uh put them into that uh category and now they've kind of blew past that so they they play friday at noon on espn plus against uh, maryland now maryland uh, you know, I've learned a lot about field hockey and field hockey uh, teams this week. I didn't know anything about them two days ago. Uh, but Maryland's one of the more storied field hockey uh, programs in the country. They've uh, got, I believe, six national championships. They've been to the Final Four. This is their 20th time or 21st time in the Final Four. So they've got a very storied program. They're number five in the country. Liberty's number nine. But, you know, I really think Liberty's underrated. I think Liberty, you know, I don't know much. I've never – I don't know how they match up against Maryland necessarily. But, uh, you know, they've, they've tested themselves against some of the best teams in the country and been able to beat them. They beat UConn, who's the nine-time defending or was the nine-time defending Big East champs, and they dethroned them and, and uh, now has knocked off the number one team in Rutgers and beat North Carolina, who's, what, the three-time defending national champions earlier in the year. So I wouldn't put anything past them. So uh, that's who they got Friday. Then if they were to win, they would play Sunday afternoon. I think it's at 2 o'clock uh, against either Northwestern or Harvard. And Northwestern is one of the team's two losses this year. They're 19-2. and two. They lost to Northwestern in a game that was at home in Lynchburg back in September. So, uh, you know, definitely a historic run they're on. And I, I hope they can uh, keep it going and, and win two more and get the first ever uh, national championship in uh, Liberty's D1 team history. Nice. Hey, John, I uh, 
that field hockey question was to kind of put you on the spot to see if you knew all that and you passed the test. I can't believe you have all those stats, uh, but that was kind of for uh, putting me on the spot about the SEC and then freeze leaving Liberty. So I guess we're even there. I- I'm really excited to be uh, to be in Williams Stadium on Saturday. Looking forward to uh, watching our Flames take on a top 25. This is what this is what we've all asked for: meaningful games at home late in the year. Um, Freeze and Ian McCall have delivered, and we have ourselves quite the uh, Saturday afternoon planned. So, looking forward to it. We'll see you there. This is Kyle Road with your hoops update, uh, Flames Nation. Uh, we really appreciate all of your support and love you've been showing us even after our tough loss last night against LSU. Uh, We're super excited to grow from it and build on it. Uh, A lot of positives and also a lot of things we can correct uh, to keep getting better this season. Uh, We're going to put our head down and keep taking it day by day, Uh, keep working hard and get ready for a big couple games that we got um, this week in Florida. So I hope you keep showing support. Uh, Tune into those games. It'll be a super fun uh, super fun weekend uh, and look forward to keep growing as a family and as a basketball team. Appreciate the support. This is Kyle Road with your Hoops Update. Back for week 12 of the Liberty Line as the Flames are coming off the late season by last week. And this week, it's no bye. It's a huge home test against number 22, the Ragin' Cajun of Louisiana Lafayette, who come into Saturday's game as winners of nine in a row. On Sunday, the line opened up as Liberty being a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and there hasn't been much movement just yet as Liberty's currently sitting as a four-point favorite in most places. The total had opened up at 52-and-a-half. That's crept up a little bit. It's sitting at 54 now. Some numbers to consider as both teams are averaging over 30 points per game but allowing right at 19 points per game. The Ragin' Cajun, they're led by senior quarterback Levi Lewis, and he's a guy with a lot of experience. Third-year starter, does not turn the ball over, has only thrown four interceptions this year. It's a very balanced attack offensively that the Ragin' Cajun have, throwing 220 yards per game in the air and on the ground getting right at 200. But it's not Lewis that the Flames will have to worry about as far as running the ball. It's a two-headed monster and sophomore Chris Smith and freshman Montrell Johnson. For the Flames, they got to find a way to avoid the disastrous start a couple weeks ago on the road at Ole Miss. Down 24, nothing at halftime. They did make that score look a little bit better, losing 27-14. to But it's a game that they just didn't play the way that they wanted to, and especially in those first 30 minutes. So they got to find a way to bounce back. And I think there's an opportunity for them on Saturday. There'll be a lot of Power 5 schools watching this game as kickoff is at 4 o'clock on ESPNU. A lot of athletic directors looking to see two programs that have really done well over the last couple of years with some head coaches who they might be wanting to pluck as their next head coach. Certainly that time of the year. We're going to take liberty to win on Saturday. We think they bounce back, but I don't know if they're going to cover. So I do like them. If you're looking at Liberty just to win, I do think the money line is a little bit appealing um, over that four or four and a half, depending on where you're playing at. But we do like the over 54 in this game. Weather for the four o'clock kickoff on Saturday in Lynchburg will be sunny, 50 degrees, and I look for a lot of yards to be 
accumulated on the ground. For this week's Liberty Line, I'm Jared Brooks. Do you need any audio editing, mixing, or sound design for your projects? Reach out to our guy, Jonathan Luna. You can find him at his website, lunasound.design. 